Well, hello, Mr. Fancy Pants. I got news for you, pal. You ain't leading but two things right now. Jack and shit. And Jack left town. And welcome to episode 213 of the Mark and Me podcast. As always, I'm your host, Mark. Now, this is pretty huge. The guest on today's episode, hail to the king, baby. Yes, I'm joined by the chin himself, Bruce Campbell. You did hear that right. Ash himself is here on Mark and Me. It doesn't even feel real as I say it out loud on this recording, but it has happened, he's been on the show, and it's one of the most incredible things to happen for Mark and me. Now, the interview is not very long. I can't complain. It's only just over 10 minutes because someone like Bruce is very in demand. He doesn't do much press. He certainly doesn't do many podcasts, but he came on, I was allocated a certain amount of time and you do not turn down an opportunity when it comes around like this. I'm so grateful. We cover quite a lot in this time. Obviously, I wish I had longer, but my God, he's everything you wish for and more. And that interview is coming up in just a couple of moments time. But in true typical Mark and Me fashion, let's touch base and talk about the last episode. I was joined by Sean Dowdell from the amazing Grey Days. This was an amazing interview, a huge episode for numbers, and so many people tuned in, so many new listeners, and I've had so many emails saying just how incredible the tribute to Chester Bennington was. So thanks so much to everyone that took the time to listen. Thank you for all the new followers, all the new support, and again to Sean for sharing this, the Linkin Park fan sites, the Chester tribute sites. It's been huge. But today is massive, and I'm so excited to share this with you. So, this doesn't still sound real to me, but I'm going to say it out loud and enjoy every moment. Here's me and Bruce Campbell talking all things TV and film. All right, you primitive screwheads, listen up. See this? This is my boomstick! So, Bruce, thanks for joining me today on the Mark and Me podcast. Well, I was in the neighborhood, so I stop in. <laughs> I appreciate it. I actually met you a couple of weeks ago in a hotel. You were sitting after a Comic-Con, and I came and got a photo with you. It's a there small, you it's in, a small in, world. Uh, Birmingham, right? So what I want to do today, Bruce, is um, I want to know, at a very young age, what was it that made you want to be an actor? Was there a certain film, an actor that you watched, or was it just something that you loved about cinema that made you want to go down this route? Well, I wanted to be an actor before I wanted to be a movie actor. So I saw my dad in a play when I was probably about eight. Uh, my dad did a. My dad was an amateur actor at a local theater company, and they were doing Brigadoon uh, at a beautiful outdoor theater in suburban Detroit, where I was raised. 
And I went to see him, and uh, my dad was being a completely different person. He was cracking jokes, people were laughing, he was singing and dancing. And uh, I was like, what the hell is this? And uh, that, it just caught me. And so I went, I went to watch other plays that he was in. Then when I got to be 18, I could actually join that theater. Uh, and then my dad directed me eventually in a play. And so, you know, it's just one thing fed the next, and I just I couldn't get enough of it. Did you always have the backing of your family? Because when I speak to a lot of actors, their parents are always warning them that, you know, it's so hard to make it in the industry. But because of your dad's experience and his life skills, was he just like, come on, son, this is for you. You can do this. Well, no, I think I think he was he was all for it because uh, my father wanted to be a painter himself. But my grandfather worked for Alcoa Aluminum for 45 years and had no interest in anything in the arts. So he said, nah, you're going to go to college and you're going to, you know, get a real job. So my dad graduated like with a, I think it was a history major. And he got into advertising because it was at least sort of creative. And then he found that to be kind of a dead end because advertising really is driven by money and not always the creative aspects. So he joined this community theater group in the 60s, late 50s, actually. Um, and he did that for 30 years. So it was great to get inspired. So when we came to him for an investment in the first Evil Dead, uh, my parents were the first first people to cut a check. And 10 grand in 1979, you know, that's more like 25, 30 grand now. Yeah. It's not just, not always lying around, you know. And when you started, obviously you were making Super 8 films, weren't you, when you first started out with Sam and... Is this the sort of footage you showed your dad yeah. to then try and get his buy-in? You're like, look, Dad, we have the potential. We know what we're doing. We've got some great ideas. Like, please help us. Oh, no. he, My my dad knew that we had a very industrious little group. There were four or five of us that were doing this stuff every weekend. So he he fully knew what we were up to. Uh, and we show, we'd show him the movies and stuff like that. But we came to him with a business proposition, just like any, any other investor, and we had made a short film called Within the Woods in Super 8 that was a miniature horror movie that we could show potential investors. So, yeah, he invested based on, well, the fact that I'm his son, most first and foremost. And with Evil Dead, obviously, it's one of your most established characters of Ash. And even now with the TV series and the free films and everything else, the video games... Did you ever anticipate it would be this cult classic that people are obsessed with? No one likes Evil Dead. You absolutely love it and everything about it, or you've never seen it? Um, no, you know, we didn't even think we would finish the movie. Uh, we kept running out of money. We, we shot the film in Tennessee in 1979. We didn't really finish it until about 1981. came out in 1982. So it was a slow painful process so we were not really excited about anything until years later when it kept you know sort of hanging around first evil dead did make money though and currently we're now promoting 18 and a half and you also do a lot of the voice work for nixon now how did you get into this kind of frame of mind because obviously he's probably one of the most paranoid presidents of our entire generation and to try and portray that in voice acting how, how did it go about for you to get into character for this 
Well, you want to get some semblance of what he sounds like. Nixon has a very specific cadence when he talks. And But the good news is I didn't have to worry about overdoing him because the guy was such a cartoon character himself. When you listen to the tapes, and I've listened to a lot of the Nixon recordings on YouTube, I mean, when it got late at night and he got wound up, I mean, that guy was drinking and swearing, and he was already over the top. And so... <laughs> it, it was, I had a lot of leeway, you know, and plus the 18 and a half minutes, no one really knows what he said during that time. So you had leeway with what he said and how he said it. Did you find yourself sitting there with a glass of whiskey thinking I need to get into kind of a, a pissed head state to try and sound a bit more like this and sound genuine? No, no, no. I'm not that paranoid either. It's all acting. It was mostly just, being amazed that that's, that was the U.S. president that got elected, that that guy who could, I mean, one of his tapes was really got me. Uh, he had given a speech about his dumb dog, Checkers. It, was, it became known as the Checkers speech because people were like, people don't really like you. You, you. you don't seem very personable. So he told a story about his stupid dog that went over really well. And he's on the phone with Kissinger and he's, and Kissinger's going, Mr. President, I think that was the best speech you've ever given. And Nixon was like, oh, my God. My God, Henry, that was. That, oh, let me tell you, no actor, no actor could have done that speech, Henry. And you go, Jesus, this guy, what, what an egomaniac. And like almost unhinged. And so that was, it was easy to get in that. State. You just had to get a little agitated, a little over the top. Um, that guy was a very frustrated man. It must have been fascinating sitting there watching these YouTube videos and listening to all the tapes and doing the research behind the character because it must have just been getting more crazy by more and more time you spent researching. Well, I watched the original uh, hearings on television live when I was about 14. I watched the entire hearing. Oh, right. It took about like a month during, during the summer. And for some reason, it just sucked me right in. It was like the best soap opera ever, was seeing these people who were elected officials do really smarmy shit and why they did it. And it was, I, it made me realize how naive I was. A lot of people that listen to this podcast are people that want to be an actor and try and get into film school or make videos like you did when you first started out. What advice do you give to those people in an industry now that is so different than when you started out? How is the best way to get well, your work? Well, the advice is, is if, if, you, if you need advice, then you, you're not going to make it anyway. Because we didn't need any advice when we were making movies. We were just we were just doing it. And there was no question and there was no stopping it. And there was no second guessing ourselves. We, didn't, we weren't interested in advice uh, because it wasn't going to change our opinion. Because everyone in Michigan said, you can't make a movie that would compete in Hollywood. You guys are nobody, and where are you gonna get the money, and all that sort of stuff. So if we took their advice, we never would have done anything. So I have zero advice. My advice is don't take advice. Yeah, don't listen to anybody. Do what yeah, you want to do. Yeah, don't because if, 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 if you want it bad enough, you're gonna do it regardless of what people tell you. Um, the only thing I know, just from my own experience, uh, if you're lazy, you'll fail. And if you're industrious and clever and willing to be light on your feet, uh, then you'll probably be okay. Oh, 
and then hopefully you'll have time to nurture your talent. You're not going to come out of the gate fully formed. You'll have to hope that you can stay around long enough to work, figure out your craft. And how's the next couple of years ahead looking? Is there anything that you can tell me today that's kind of a little tease on what you're up to at the moment? I'm writing a name brand comic book uh, that'll come out starting in the fall for six issues. Uh, I'm pretty excited about that. I've never played that game before. And I uh, started self-publishing recently. And so I've got a stream of stories that are going to be coming out, you know, one every six months or so. And that's been a lot of fun. Uh, and then uh, Evil Dead, the game, opened a week ago. So that's been entertaining. And, you know, movies like this will always come along. And uh, I love supporting the independent independent theater world. And, uh, and I've been touring. I always do conventions still. And that's always fun to see what's going on out there. Everyone loves you. I love how much work people put into the photos that you do. And there's never a boring photo from a Comic-Con that you're involved in. Everyone comes either dressed up, makeup, got loads of props with them. There's never a boring photo. Well, it's, uh, I tell people, look, if you take that shitty photo at the table out in the room, it's going to look like garbage. It's the green, the, the, the green overhead lighting that, used for like you know parking lots but so we have photo ops where it's taken by an official photographer they got the good lighting and you know if you're paying for these photos as a fan don't you want a good photo that's like in focus and it's like lit and there's no garbage to distract in the background and you see everything that's going on so i i always enforce it i don't do any photos at my signing table signing is for signing yeah. Photos are for photos, and it's just better for everybody. Everybody everybody looks better in them because that's what gets passed around on Facebook and social media. You don't want some shitty, out-of-focus picture uh, circulating. It, you know, it, there's better images out there. And I encourage people to dress up. Like, wear a nice suit. Uh, yeah. Ditch the basketball story. Ditch the Crocs. You know, uh, wear an outfit you would love to put above the fireplace. What I do on the podcast, Bruce, is I ask every guest that's been on, we're nearly at 200 episodes now, and everyone's picked a different song, but you get to choose the outro piece of music to today's episode. So after this interview's all done, all edited, there's a final song that gets to play at the end of the podcast, and I let the guest on the spot who's on the podcast choose the song. So it can be a piece of music a band you love, or just a song that you just adore. But what's your choice today when I ask you the question that comes to your heart and soul that you would love to be played after this interview today? I think it's called A Summer Place. It's a lovely instrumental piece that goes back to my childhood. Summer Place. And that's the one that came to your heart straight away? Soon enough. Amazing. I think our time's up, so I just wanted to say a massive thank you for someone I've wanted on the podcast since I've started five years ago. People, right. I really well, appreciate it. And thank you for your time today. So there it is. There's my interview with me and the absolute legend, Bruce Campbell. What an amazing guy. So open, so honest, and just the absolute king. One of my favourite actors of all time. I can't believe he's been on the podcast. Evil Dead for me is one of the greatest ever 
horror franchises. Also, Boba Hotep. What an amazing, incredible film. You may know him from his recent appearance again in the brand new Doctor Strange film. And as you heard, we talked all about 18 and a half, which is a brand new film which you can go and check out now digitally. It's amazing. His performance is absolutely outstanding. And if you've enjoyed that film, let me know. I love reading feedback on social media. All the links to my social media are online on markandme.com. There's Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. And all that I ask, if you've listened to today's interview and you've enjoyed it, share it. Go on your Facebook and post it on your wall. Go on Twitter and hit that retweet button. Or if you're on Instagram, share it amongst a story or even post it on your own profile. It goes a long way and makes a massive difference to Mark and me and can get the name out there for a whole new audience. But not only that, I do have a Patreon page. You can visit that on markandme.com. On there, there's the link and you can sign up for as little as £1 per month. Yes, and for that, you're guaranteed eight episodes. But not only that, thanks to my amazing friends at Richer Sounds, there's some incredible prizes each and every month to give away. And that is simply just to say thanks for coming along and supporting me via Patreon. Because every pound that you put into the podcast via Patreon gives me that chance to go out there and do more and more interviews, which basically means more and more episodes for you guys at home. None of it is actually a wage. It all goes right back into the production of this podcast. And honestly, I need the support more than ever. So if you've really enjoyed today's episode, please, every little bit can make a difference. And for something that I've never done before, but I'm going to do it today because this episode is quite short, I want to give a big shout out to all of my Patreons. So Andrew Carr, Lee Ashbury, Paul Tebbett, Matthew Herdman, Johnny Edwards, Harley Mumford, Ben Slaughter, Simon Sweeney, Wes Pringle, David Leishman, James Clues, Danny McManus, Tara Wolflock, Jordan Holland, Tom, Todd Murgatroyd, James Gain, Ben Reed, Damian Bullock, Martin Street, Richard Barr, Gavin Yule, Kinzer Druitt, John Brooks, James Loosley, David Thomas, Lorna DeMarco, Mike Pettigrew, Gemma Hurst, and the amazing Scott Higgins. I've never done this on over 200 episodes, but you all deserve this absolute love and praise and today's shout out. So thank you to each and every single one of you. I really hope you've all enjoyed today's episode. It's a huge one for me. Thanks so much for listening. My God, this is another milestone and I'm just absolutely buzzing. So I'll be back in only a few days time with a brand new episode. So until then, look after yourself, take care and stay groovy.